Paint pros know what you don't paint is just as important as what you do paint. So the Home Depot has bulk pricing on a full assortment of 3M painters, tapes, and paint essentials. Everything you need, every day. Like 3M hand masker film and scotch painters tape. For the cleanest results on every paint job, 3M and the Home Depot have got you covered. With bulk price savings on 3M paint essentials. Every day, only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only. Hi, it's Latonya Moore, and I am back with our fabulous Fatherhood Initiative, and I'm so excited. Tonight, I have with me uh, John Waring, who's one of our fabulous fathers that's going to share with us uh, some information about his fatherhood uh, journey. Uh, John, welcome. Hi, how are you doing? Awesome. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your fatherhood situation. Well, I'm just a average typical person, average typical guy that just, I work very hard to earn a living. Um, I'm an honest person. I've never been to jail. I don't fit the stereotypical role of many people that stereotype us as black males. I am a caring father. I care about my children, just like any father should. I go to work, go home, go to work, go home. And that's all I want to do in life is provide for my children. That's my goal as a father to, while I'm working hard right now, I want to provide a future for not only for them, but for generations to come. Um, when I say my prayers, I ask God to give me the strength to help me prepare my family for generations to come because I started this with my children and I want their children to reap the benefits of my hard work that I'm doing right now. So I'm just a hardworking guy that's just living day by day, just trying to make things better for the future for my family. That's it. Awesome. Thank you for, for sharing that. Now I do understand that you are a father of five and three of your children live outside of the home. Talk with us about that situation. Um, of course, being a young man, um, not that I didn't understand the consequences of my actions. I, I very much well understood the consequences of, you know, having children. But I, I felt that, you know, I worked, I had a good paying job so I could afford to have children and I wanted children and um, you know several other relationships didn't work out but I always wanted to be there for my children so that was my biggest thing when it came down to my oldest son um, he's he just recently turned 21 he's in college um, I have twins a son and a daughter fraternal twins uh, they just recently turned 18 back in December and my oldest daughter, who is not my biological daughter, but I raised her from the time she was four years old because her father wasn't around. She'll be 25 in October. And I put her through college. So my baby girl, who's 11, she'll be 12 in June. She resides in close to my oldest daughter. And my baby girl resides in the house with my wife and I. And I've been married for 15 years now to my wife, Jakarta. Um, we, we're just 
regular everyday people that just want to do the right thing and do we go to work come home we pray we just do what we need to do and just trying to raise a family outside of the house is is pretty hard when you're not living in the house with your children but I do the best that I can do so in with with that situation because but believe it or not I I know it may seem like that that you're on an island but since I started doing this, I am meeting so many men that have a similar situation. They have multiple children. Some live live in the home. Some live outside of the home. And there are varying degrees of being able to have a real impact. What was your experience with, with being able to co-parent with your children who lived outside of the home? be honest with you it was pure hell it it was it was pure hell from day one um when those relationships failed and i decided that i wanted to move on and mature as a man and settle down those relationships i mean they were just toxic those relationships with those two mothers weren't really good um there was no violence involved, but those, those relationships, they were just very toxic. And I just tried to do the best that I could do to work things out with them pertaining to the children, but I would never get that cooperation in return. And I just kept fighting, kept fighting, kept fighting, kept pushing. Eventually I went to court and spent a lot of money to have visitation rights, which I think is just a, the whole system was just a ripoff. It was a part, it's, it was pretty much a, a shell game with, with my money because you pay the lawyer, the lawyer plays a guardian, the guardian gets money, the lawyer gets money, the court gets money, you get nothing but a set schedule when you can see your children or when you cannot see your children and different stipulations that are put upon your business your children's visit with you and just just going back and forth with the both of them with one of with my oldest son his mother she wasn't as hard mine as uh, as my other children's mother but i mean it was just it's been, it was pure hell and it's it's something that i don't wish anyone would have to go through i know that there are a lot of fathers out there that are struggling with these situations because a lot of men don't know how to navigate their ways back into their children's lives. Once those relationships aren't working anymore, a lot of men just say, well, you know what, I'm just going to go on about my life, but I choose not to. I choose to stay there and fight. And, you know, even it it came a point in time when we were going back and forth to court. Um, I didn't see my children for three years until the court case was actually settled. For three years, I went without seeing my children. And that was that was pretty hard on me. But I prayed about it, and just I just kept moving forward. I just kept pressing on. And eventually, once the dust settled, kids get a little bit older, they started realizing what was going on. And it just, but that, that time that you lose in between when you don't get to see your children, you can't make that back up. And 
that's what I hope that a lot of women that choose to do these things to the fathers of their children by denying them from seeing the children or being participating in the children's lives. I mean, I just wish that they could actually see the impact that it actually has on the children. And most of the time, the impact are negative. And it's not good for the children. It's, it's not good for these ch- young, especially these young men that are growing up now. These young men growing up without guidance in their lives from their fathers or any positive male figure. I mean, some of these women have, they have in their lives, but some of these men aren't positive men from a, 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 a male perspective, if you ask me. Some of them are just not into the right things in life and are not in the right place. Some of them are not mature enough to be men. They may be men in age, but they're not men as far as their maturity and their way of thinking and, their, and how they lead a household. So a lot of these young men just grew up just misguided. And I, I tell a lot of single mothers all the time that I see, that I know, um, because I, sometimes I go to the school and I volunteer at, my middle, at the middle school right here in the neighborhood. And I just go and volunteer and just hang out with the kids for a day. And some of the mothers have gotten in contact with me and was like, hey, can you talk to my son? And I, I tell them all the time, there is no GPS for manhood. This is something that has to be, that this boy has to see and, or, and grow into and go into and do the right thing and go in the right direction in their life. Way too many of our young men are, are going in the wrong direction in life because nobody told them the right thing to do so it, it just I just did not want that for my sons so I just kept I just kept the fight up I just I just kept fighting despite the fact that I could have went to jail but I just I just kept doing what I could do to reach out to them to let them know that I love them that's really good. Good. Good for you. I know that that I, I can just I, I'm, as I listen to you, I can tell that even though it was probably years ago, this is something that has been very, very difficult. And I really appreciate your willingness to share your experience and what happened, because it's it's definitely something that we have to hear. I know that you mentioned about the legal system and. The, that you felt that it was a shell game. Tell us why you felt like that. What, what specifically were the things that you felt that happened that made you feel that it was just sort of this this real just cat and mouse game? Okay, uh, I'll, I'll tell you how I I know it's I know for a fact it was a shell game. Uh, just like I said, you know I paid a lawyer a retainer fee. To, to handle the case for me for a custody battle because I had a situation where my daughter came to me and told me what was going on in the environment that they were in. And I told her that this is not healthy for them. So I went and I filed for custody. Well, of course, filing for custody, when she got the paperwork for that, she was, of course, she was upset, she was angry. Um, so that in turn sparked her to say, well, you know what, since you want to do this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to counter you and I'm going to ask for a substantial increase in child support. So the lawyer got his, his money 
and we have to have a guardian involved to figure out a guardian ad litem uh, to figure out the best place for the children to be. Of course, both of us had to go through that. Had to pay this guardian. The lawyer already got paid. The guardian got paid. In the end, uh, we went to court, and it, my lawyer told me he said, "Well, there's no need. There's no need to even try to get custody because um, they are at an age." I think 13 is the legal age where they can decide whether they want to be with the mother or the father. And I said, hold up. What about this guardian? This is what he was. This is what his job was. This is what he was supposed to have been doing. And he's already gotten paid. So they pretty much, and this is when I showed up at the courthouse with the, at the day of the trial, the, the day of the court date. And they're telling me this, well, we're just going to try this right here. He was like, well, I need a copy of your schedule. And I was like, why do you need it? Okay. So I gave him a copy of my schedule. They went and said, well, what do you have in your retirement account? And I said, what does my retirement account have to do with anything pertaining to this case? He said, well, she, she's got to get more. She needs to get more money. So, you know, we need to figure out uh, from the time this court case started, we need to see if you have access to funds to give her a retroactive increase from the time this started up until now. And this was three years later. <laughs> and I looked at him and I laughed and I said, I'm not signing that paper. I said, I, there's no legal right for me to tell you or to show you what's in my retirement account and make and force me to get it out there to give her a retroactive increase. Are y'all crazy? Uh, and, and I looked at him and he, he just shrugged his shoulders and he was like, you don't have to fill it out. I said, exactly. I know I don't have to fill it out. And I did not fill it out. So, of course, we went back and forth with numbers. And she she was granted an increase. And so, with the retroactive increase, I had to pay her in small increments. Which she agreed to $10 a week for that sum. Which it amounted out to, I would have to pay her $10 a week for like nine years to catch that up. And she agreed to that. So that in turn allowed me to understand how this game was played between the lawyer, the guardian, the court, and myself. I said, in the end, I'm out of everything. Everyone else is gaining. I'm the one that's losing. I'm losing a relationship with my children. I'm losing my finances. I, I, this is this is this is a this is this is crazy. But I dealt with it. Of course, I was I was upset, but I dealt with it and I kept moving. I didn't allow that to hinder me spiritually because these people will break you spiritually. It's like that's what some of these things are designed to do mentally and spiritually these things will break you but i did not allow it to break me and i, I the reason i wanted to ask you that is i, I know that the the people that are going to be listening to this are probably not just people that resonate with this because they've been through it but people that may be gearing up and so being able to understand what you went through what state are you in i'm in south carolina and was this the legal battle that we're talking about was that in south carolina as well yes 
Okay. So uh, again, just making sure that our listeners who are are coming to this podcast because they're going to be coming to this podcast for help for information. These are real stories, guys. Like these really, these are really things that happen. And again, thank you so much for sharing. Want to shift gears just a little bit, and this is probably a more of a a general question or a philosophical question. What do you feel that in general? is the societal view with regard to fathers? I feel like in today's society, the value of a father is not what it used to be two generations ago when dad was everything to everybody, papa, whatever you call him. Nowadays, it's like the world is saying, well, you know, dads aren't that important. You know, I can raise a child, which uh, women are financially capable of raising children by themselves, but they shouldn't be burdened with that. Um, now, I think that the rules, especially for African-American women, you know, over 70% of African-American children are born out of wedlock. So right then and there it's like the deck has already been stacked so that's not important in most people's lives but i just think that it's it's just it's been devalued so much the role of a father now it's like it's so hard now to to find that good strong-minded person that says hey dad is very important dad is everything now society kind of views fathers as being disposable wow 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 yeah and the the very sad part about it is that it's not only here in america this is a this is a global problem it is literally a, a global problem which is why i think it's something that's rising to the forefront because these questions certainly have to be answered. When you were going through your custody situation, were there any community resources for fathers that you were able to go to and lean on to get the support that you needed? They, they, had, a, they had a few programs out there. Um, uh, they had a few programs here in Charleston County that uh, you could go to, but most of them were for the fathers that were unemployed and were seeking jobs. And I did not fit into that mode where I was trying to find a job to stay out of jail. That was not, that wouldn't work for me um, because I knew it was just a communication problem between the mother and I. That's what it all boiled down to. That's what the whole just so the whole thing was. It wasn't as if I disappeared off of planet Earth and, and, and was JNA, just not around. I was very accessible. It was, she could reach me any, any day, any time of the night, any day. So that wasn't a problem. And a, a lot of the young dads now don't take advantage of that, prop, that, uh, that program that they actually have here. Um, a lot of them would just rather not pay their child support and actually just run and let it build up and then go to jail and do a few months and come back home and 
repeat that cycle all over again. And me, this brother here, I ain't got time to be going sitting in the white chair. <laughs> I don't have time for that. That's 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 not that's not productive. Um, I, I need to be out earning. Uh, I don't I don't need to be uh, situated uh, property of the state or the county or whomever they you know where they have, where they actually send you at because I I know I actually know some people that actually go what they call going up the road. Um, when you go up the road in South Carolina, they, they send you to a prison because we're here, we're located here in Charleston. They send you somewhere to Columbia, Greenville, somewhere up in there, Bishopville. They send you these different state prisons and you do your time. You do a year, six months or a year and you do it and actually do it in prison. I ain't got time for that. Oh my God. So the community resources I just want to make sure that I understand. So the ones that you were able to identify, they really were, and, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, but they were the ones that were geared towards the financial obligation. Right. Trying to help them find jobs. Uh, some of them were actually pretty good helping guys get their GEDs um, to try and so that they can actually find work when they do get a GED. Um, which I think is a great thing because uh, that's that's one of the biggest problems right there. A lot of the guys aren't aren't literate enough to understand and navigate the system once they get in the system and understand how to manipulate things to to so that they can keep themselves out of trouble, uh, out of jail. But it all depends on the individual, whether he wants to do it or not. It's up to that individual. So it, it, it was really helpful for them to have those programs. But you have to go – well, now we, we're in the Internet age now. You can kind of seek and find anything now. But back when I first got in the system in the early 90s uh, – well, mid to, well it's mid to late 90s. Mid to late 90s, it – those stuff were kind of printed up somewhere and you had to actually go somewhere and find them. But now everything's online. You can find things now. You can find resources to, to help you situate your current situation if you're in that predicament. But that was then and this is now, you know, there's so much technology and everybody has a smartphone. So there's no excuse why someone can't find the right resources to help them this day and age. Okay. What is some advice that you would give for fathers that are either seeking custody, shared parenting arrangements, quality visitation, just any dad that is about to, or in the middle of fighting this system, what's some advice that you would give to them? The first advice I would give to them is the first thing they need to do before they do anything is they need to pray. And I, I'm not saying that I'm not saying it lightly. I'm saying that they really need to pray because some of these judges and these uh, caseworkers that work with these state agencies, they are uh, they they have an attitude and they don't know how to talk to people. And these people can really get under your skin before you get in that courtroom, or when you get in that courtroom before you know it, you get yourself in trouble. So just pray before you go in there. Pray that God gives you the wisdom and knowledge and understanding to navigate through this mess. That's the first thing I would tell them to do, just to pray. 
and I would ask them to read up on the law and understand the law and get a clear understanding of the law because the law is printed. Uh, they print these, they have one for every state. They print it. Sometimes there's updates to the laws that they don't actually have in the, in the manuals and call and ask questions before you get involved in this, in a custody battle or any other visitation situation. Call and find out, find out the laws of your state, uh, which state you reside in. Uh, find out the laws and know the system. Know what you're about to get yourself into before you get into it because these people can anger you and upset you when you go in there, especially when you go in there without representation. And when you go in there by yourself, it's like, it's like a feeding frenzy. It's like they got you because everyone's against you. You're standing alone. So my advice to them is to understand, get a full understanding of what they're about to get themselves and to embrace themselves and don't get their expectations up high because most of the times it won't go in your favor because, you know, I, I felt very confident about my situation. And when I got to court that day, I mean, that, just really, really, it ruined, I mean, my expectations were different than what I was told before we went in the courtroom, and I was so upset about it, and I said, I took a deep breath, and I said, you know what, whatever's going to happen, is going to happen. I have no control over this now, and that's what a lot of these fathers need to understand, is that you won't have control over this situation right now. You, you, you really won't. You won't have control over a lot of things, but only thing you can do is know and understand the law and navigate yourself through this. Awesome. Great advice. Thank you so much, John, for, for being a part of this. Uh, again, I know that this is a very sensitive and delicate topic and uh, really, honestly, a topic that men just don't like to speak about. So just your willingness to reach out, reach out to them and be willing to share your story is really awesome. And I really appreciate you and, and applaud your efforts. I applaud you for, for doing what you're doing and trying to help guys out because there are a lot of people that don't want to help because they feel, well, you know, if I help, eh, that's the, that's on them. You know, a lot of people look the other way, but there are so many men out here just, that are just struggling to, to find an understanding about their situation and what's going on. And a lot, of, a lot of brothers need help, but they don't know where to turn. They don't know. They're like a ship lost at sea. They don't know which way to go. And, and they're, steady, they're steady going in and out of jail. And somebody needs to get them back on course. Somebody needs to be that beacon of light. And there you are. You're there to help somebody. You're that beacon in the middle of the water that's standing there saying, hey, come to me. I'll help you. And I applaud you for what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, everyone, this has been John Waring. He shared his story. We are so excited to be a part of uh, really just shedding a light and highlighting these fatherhood stories and these fatherhood journeys. Because again, this is something that impacts every single person in the world. And so this concludes tonight's fatherhood discussion. And certainly you can learn more about what we're doing with regard to fatherhood. You can see some of the other, uh, other videos 
You can listen to some of the other podcasts at my website, www.latanyamore.com. Paint pros know what you don't paint is just as important as what you do paint. So the Home Depot has bulk pricing on a full assortment of 3M painters, tapes, and paint essentials. Everything you need, every day. Like 3M hand masker film and scotch painters tape. For the cleanest results on every paint job, 3M and the Home Depot have got you covered. With bulk price savings on 3M paint essentials. Every day, only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. U.S. only. Will your child be ready for kindergarten? At Chesterbrook Academy Preschool, the answer is yes. Our curriculum offers the perfect balance of learning and play. Our teachers personalize that experience for each child through engaging activities that develop the skills they need to be ready for what comes next. Attend a Chesterbrook Academy open house on Saturday, August 3rd from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. To find a preschool near you, click the banner or visit chesterbrookacademy.com. That's chesterbrookacademy.com.